0: sleepover cinema where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who want to live on the cloud that mary poppins descends from i'm hannah leach a writer musician audio producer and known hater of the bank's children
1: and i'm audrey leach director editor producer and wannabe quirky british governess We are the sister duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going
0: to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good?
1: And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 1964's Mary Poppins.
2: The fabulous adventures of the world's most charming and delightfully eccentric heroine. I can tell you one thing, Winifred. I don't propose standing idly by and letting that woman Mary Poppins undermine the discipline and... There's been something odd, I mentioned, extremely odd, about the behavior of this household since that woman arrived. Yes, dear? Ow! There that is again!
0: Yes, the wondrous and magical ways of Walt Disney's Mary Poppins so completely and so hilariously discombobulate the family with whom
2: she comes to stay in such delightfully amazing ways. Their lives are never again quite the same. And nor will yours be when you've
0: been touched by the magic of this magnificent new motion picture from Walt Disney.
1: Mary Poppins.
2: Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Oh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. gets Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always know sound precocious. Super
0: Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. gets oh.
1: Don't stay away too long.
0: Audrey, we're really giving it to the people this season with two Julie Andrews movies.
1: And we're not really giving it to the people, we're really giving it to ourselves. (laughs) Yes.
0: I guess you're not holding back on the selections anymore. It's
1: for us, it's for me.
0: I know that normally I would say this deeper into the episode, but I'm just going to say right now, I hadn't seen this movie, I think, since elementary school. And boy, am I looking forward to talking about it. (laughs) So I think think this is going to
1: be a good episode. Yeah, me too. We might as well just get into the question for the culture. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. Do you think... The presidential fitness test left a lasting impact on your psyche. I feel like this is a universal yes, right? (laughs) I mean, not for like the boy in your class that like could do everything, right? Like, I feel like they don't care. But like,
0: well, I feel like they do care because it could have made an impact on their psyche in like an I'm so masculine and strong kind of way. Did
1: it not for you? I mean, it could have been worse. It definitely could have been worse. I was just thinking about the presidential fitness test today and how weird it is that it's called the presidential fitness test. And that they would even that the implication that the federal government cares about if you can touch your toes or not.
0: I actually remember at some point I did some research into this, and it's called the presidential fitness test because it was instated in a time it was I the nineties, competing with like Sweden or something. It was like a nationalism thing that had even happened. It definitely made an impact on me, but I never had any illusions about being particularly athletic or um, physically capable of anything impressive. I do remember (laughs) kind of feeling like it was like a strange amount of clout for a kid to have, like presidential for being able
1: to touch your toes. (laughs) Well, that was the reason I remember that part of the test is because that was the part that I was the best at. Like I you know they yes, me too actually they had that little thing well that's the part that like the not amazing <laughs> athletes were good at. athletes so yes. and i was like wow like you can't even get your fingers 5 inches over your feet can you oh yes okay so i'm not sure i think this was related to the presidential fitness test was that the same thing as the pacer test i feel like they just were different ages Like we didn't start doing the pacer test until like middle school.
0: The memory I have about like regulated fitness parameters is that you're supposed to be able to do one pull up. (laughs) in gym class, or you would like get fired. Like you were in trouble if you couldn't do a single pull-up. And I remember I had a sub the day that we had to do that testing. And the sub was like proctoring some other element of the fitness test and would send people in twos to go do the pull-ups on complete honors system. One of the very few times I ever made physical contact with a straight boy in high school was that he like hoisted me (laughs) up over the bar so we could be like I did one and then I didn't get in trouble
1: wait but how does that count
0: it doesn't I think (laughs) it was just an excuse to make physical contact looking back at it but at the time it felt legit so so they didn't evaluate you no it was honors system so we just said I did one and then came back and so was the theatrics needed to then go lie? No, but we did it anyway. <laughs> well, it maybe it's like less of a lie. I've ha- I had more traumatizing experiences in school than that because I didn't have any expectations and I also wasn't a boy.
1: Yeah, it was so geared towards a young male body. It was geared
0: towards boys that only wore shorts of that like jersey material. Yeah. And
1: like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it
0: was just like, like aggro like... basketball player boys.
1: It is time to talk about 1964's Mary Poppins. I am very ready. I'm excited. Mary Poppins was released on August 29th, 1964, which is a mere three months <laughs> before <laughs> our mother entered the world, <laughs> Just. Wow. And it was rated G, general audiences. Mary Poppins was directed by Robert Stevenson, who is most known for this movie, but also directed Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Nine Days a Queen, and King Solomon's Mines. It's like a bunch of 50s and 60s Disney stuff. And you will notice the pattern that everybody (laughs) above the line on this movie also worked on Bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> um, so the screenplay was Mom hates by- that movie. Why? I know
0: that we had a Disney like a Best of Disney CD with a song from Bedknobs and and Broomsticks called 10 Feet Off the Ground and Angela Lansbury sung it. And mom would always be like, turn that shit off. I hate that song. (laughs) So I think she didn't like the movie either. It was like an animated live action situation, much like this one. So
1: The screenplay was written by Bill Walsh and Don DeGrady, who worked on Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Flubber, (laughs) Lady and the Tramp, But I also noticed that Dawn was the production designer on Sleeping Beauty, which is interesting because that is a very different job. Of course, the original book of the same name was written by P.L. Travers. I wanted to just give a little bit of context about P.L. Travers, but we Mm -hmm. will talk about her again Later, as early as 1926, Travers published a short story, Mary Poppins and the Matchman, which introduced the nanny character of Mary Poppins and Bert, the street artist. And so this movie was primarily based on the original 1934 novel of the same name, but it also lifted elements from the 1935 sequel, Mary Poppins Comes Back. And if any of you saw the 2013 film Saving Mr. (laughs) Banks, you might be somewhat familiar with the story of obtaining the rights from P.L. Travers to make the Mary Poppins movie. Disney spent 20 years trying to purchase the film rights to Mary Poppins because his daughters like loved the books, which included visits to Travers at her home in London. In 1961, Travers arrived in Los Angeles on a flight from London, her first class ticket having been paid for by Disney and finally agreed to sell the rights in no small part because she was financially in dire straits. In 1977, Travers remarked about the film, I've seen it once or twice and I've learned to live with it. It's glamorous and it's a good film on its own level, but I don't think it is very much like my books. Ultimately, the movie version did make her rich and when her estate was put on the market in 2019, it was valued at $9.1 million. But she Mm. did pass away in 96. And I was just thinking about how weird and kind of sad it must have been for her to know that what she would view as like the bastardization of her life's work to be the thing that makes yeah. her wealthy.
0: And then to think that once she's dead, Disney was like, let's also wring out her actual life for more value. Her, At yeah. least... Twice, yeah, her story, and then Mary Poppins returns. Yeah,
1: it's like fucked. And I have a yeah. quote. I have another quote yeah. later. Cool.
0: Well, we'll come back to that. But that's very interesting. Okay, so synopses.
1: IMDB. In turn of the
0: century London, a magical nanny employs music and adventure to help two neglected children become closer to their father. Letterboxed. A magical nanny employs music and adventure to help two ne- neglected children become <laughs> closer to their father. <laughs> it's okay. I've been there. They're the same. <laughs> I was like, am I reading it wrong? Oh, it's very, um, Rotten it's tomatoes. slightly,
1: ever so slightly different.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. When Jane and Michael, the children of the wealthy and uptight Banks family, are faced with the prospect of a new nanny, they are pleasantly surprised by the arrival of the magical Mary Poppins. Embarking on a series of fantastical adventures with Mary and her cockney performer friend, Bert, the siblings try to pass on some of their nanny's sunny attitude to their preoccupied parents.
1: Okay, taglines. There were only two and really, it seems there was only one, which was it's super califragilistic Um, And then there was like a mm-hmm. 1979 Australia re release or something. <laughs> and it was See It again and again with that super califragilistic music. Wow. So, they didn't even give it the whole word. No, they didn't. Wow. I just remembered that I fully did that song in like a choir spring concert and I like knew the choreography like the spelling s-u-p-e-r-c-a-m-i-l-r-a-g-i-l-i-s-c-i-c-e-x-v-a-m-i-o-c-i-o-u-s I just remembered that
0: as I was watching it I remembered that also I was like Audrey definitely like did a version of this in choir at some
1: point anyway cast Yes. First and foremost, Julie Andrews, Dame Julie Andrews, as Mary Poppins, most known yes. for *The Sound of Music*, *Victor Victoria*, *The Princess Diaries*, etc. We know Dick Van Dyke, perhaps the silliest name that has ever existed, <laughs> as Bert. He's most known for this movie, *Mary Poppins Returns*, because you know they dragged his ninety-year-old ass out there <laughs> to dance on a table, and he was happy to do it. So. Yep. Also known for The Dick Van Dyke Show and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I also have to say, uh, Dick Van Dyke is known
0: for his appearance in um, Jim Brickman's A Joyful Christmas special. To those who don't know Jim Brickman, do you really know me? That's the question for
1: the culture of my entire life. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Next, we have David Tomlinson as Mr. George W. Banks and I thought it was funny that his name is George W. (laughs) He was also in The Nubs and Broomsticks and this movie and The Love Bug. Glennis Johns as Mrs. Winifred Banks, known for this movie While You Were Sleeping, The Ref, and The Court Jester. When I was gathering photos of this cast, I found some of the most glamorous old Hollywood headshots of her. So I will... Including those, yes, Hermione Badley as Ellen the Maid. She is known for The Secret of Nim and Maud, which was a TV show in the 50s and A Christmas Carol. And this movie, Karen Dotrice as Jane Banks, <laughs> or is it Dotrice? It's probably Dotrice, not Dotrice because <laughs> she's British. Like, Karen, it could be
0: Dotrice. Karen
1: Dotrice,
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds right, yeah.
1: Known for Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins Returns, The Gnome Mobile, and The Three Lives of Thomasina. And this is interesting because guess what Matthew Garber's credits are, who plays Michael Banks? Mary Poppins, The Gnome Mobile, and The Three (laughs) Lives of Thomasina. And these are his only three credits. So it seems to me that they were trying to like pair these two and like keep them together in movies these kids have some of the creepiest Uh faces and finally elsa lanchester as katie nana known for witness (laughs) for the prosecution murder by death and the bride of frankenstein in this movie great okay so budget.
0: The budget for Mary Poppins was somewhere between 4 and $4.6 million. And the all-time domestic box office for this movie is (laughs) $102,272,145. And that's all time. So like inflation isn't really included there. We don't really know how that math works. But regardless, that is a good amount of money.
1: So the critic score is 96%, which is incredibly high. And the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is a lavish modern fairy tale celebrated for its amazing special effects, catchy songs, and Julie Andrews. Legendary performance in the title role, in the titular role. Critic opinions. So I took a little excerpt from the original 1964 Hollywood Reporter review. The impressive thing about the conception of Mary Poppins is that Disney, Stevenson, Walsh, and DeGrady apparently decided what would be right, not feasible, and then set the many departments to work, creating without reference to the impossible. As a result, the film is loaded with unusual. Usual cinematic skills. Mary Poppins is a picture that is more than most a triumph of many individual contributions, and its special triumph is that it seems to be the work of a single cohesive intelligence. Okay, single cohesive intelligence. <laughs> he's, he's real smart. And then we
0: have three opinions from Ron Tomatoes. There is nothing wrong with good, clean fantasy if there is some sort of explanation to make it more than just a succession of camera tricks. Whether the movie's message is Traverse approved or not, the emphasis on joy and empathy proves heartening, even today. And then lastly, the animation sequences suffer from Disney's animals are just like people, coyness, and the plot is too goody good for words. But even the worst parts are saved by an air of innocent enjoyment. (laughs) Everything I have to say about this movie has not yet been represented by any of these takes. So, yeah. Okay. And now my favorite, Common Sense Media. Parents need to know that Mary Poppins is a classic 1964 musical about a nanny with supernatural powers. Though the pace is rollicking and sometimes chaotic, there are no dangerous or dark elements. Melodic music, fancy dancing, and cartoon segments will engage even the youngest viewers. The father of the family is shown drinking brandy, but isn't drunk. Minor characters <laughs> smoke cigars.
1: The audience score was 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the letterboxed average star rating is 3.8%. Eight stars, which the, I forget what it was for Pitch Perfect, but it was weirdly high. And that got, I feel like it was 3.9. Yeah, like, oh, you're telling me Pitch Perfect is better than. Yeah, me,
0: okay. That's how you know that Letterboxd is like of the posting era of the highest order. Yeah.
1: So here were a few Letterboxed reviews. The first one was Mary Poppins will overthrow capitalism. That was like the most popular, <sighs> I think. Somebody said, Love these two. Hor- How would she overthrow capitalism? Okay, sorry. Somebody please. said, Love these two horny service workers and their multi dimensional affair and then I can't even
0: tell if they're talking about the cook and the maid they're talking about Bert and Mary Mary and Bert yeah that's how that's how numbed I am to stupid lesbian takes on Letterboxd at this point.
1: Next is, yes, I cried while Julie Andrews was singing because whenever I hear her sing, she sounds like an angel in heaven. And I think about how painful it must be for her now that her voice has been irreparably damaged. And now that I'm older, I can appreciate how much the cinematography slaps. <laughs> And finally, Uh, what if someone else used Mary Poppins tape measure that was the same height as her? Wouldn't it also say that, you know what, I won't ruin the magic of this joyous musical classic? (laughs) Okay, that is a good point, though. If somebody else (laughs) had her measuring tape, they would also be practically perfect in every way.
0: It probably (laughs) wouldn't say that if someone else was holding it. It would like magically change. I feel.
1: Finally, cultural context. So this might seem kind of random, but the other day in my YouTube video recommendations, I saw this video by somebody called Jay Draper. The video was titled, <laughs> Why Does Lame Miz Have English Accents? And it ended up being very relevant to Mary Poppins, but also... Aside from that, if you are interested in that topic, it was a really good video.
0: (laughs) I've had that video recommended to me too, but I haven't watched
1: it Yeah, it was good. But through that video... I learned that the song "Step in Time" from Mary Poppins is a traditional Cockney <laughs> musical number that is a deliberate homage to the Cockney song "Knees Up, Mother Brown," and it literally sounds exactly the same. In birthday, Let's wake up all the town. So knees up, knees up, so get the breeze up, knees up, Mother Brown.
2: Your knees up, your knees up, in knees up, step in
1: And then just like a fun fact about Cockney musicals. The Cockney musical is known to focus on working class characters who are unglamorous and are troubled by the social structure they live in. The musicals often contain big chorus songs with highly choreographed sequences, themes of nostalgia for a specific time in England, and usually include comedic songs with repetitive call and response choruses. And... I was thinking about that <sighs> in regards to Mary Poppins and like yes it's a show with a cockney section or like cockney tendencies rather than it being a fully <laughs> cockney musical and that's because it's cockney moon yeah like Bert is a cockney character everybody has opinions about his accent in this movie um not yeah. the best but he is representing like that art form in the show So here's some more on
0: one Ms. P.L. Travers. So, of course, she did not want the relationship between Mary and Bert to be romantic.
2: Now we come to my notes here, my typewritten notes. It is integral to the book and to the story in whatever form is presented that Mary Poppins should never be impolite to anybody. We get the comedy out of this
0: gray, quiet, polite person through which all the strange magic happens. Which... I think she got. I think that she yeah. got that in the end. she yeah, They seem she got like that. good old pals. She hated the Dancing Penguins slash this version of her book as a whole. I think I understand that. I have not read the original, but I can see it. Disney did decide to refictionalize P.L. Travers' life story in the 2013 film Saving Mr. Banks, as we touched on earlier, which we find to be particularly disrespectful regardless of the sentimentality as we already said, leave the poor woman's spirit alone. And then uh, Tom Hanks said this regarding Saving Mr. Banks when that came out a few years ago. She would absolutely hate it. She would say, why don't you make a movie about the poetry that I wrote? She would hate this movie, but that's what's great about it. She'd also
1: be here seeing it? Yeah. When I read that, I was like, oh, so you actually don't give a fuck, honestly. You don't care. That is
0: really troubling and disrespectful. And then, okay, this next thing is taking us all the way back to our um, Lou Alcott moment back around Christmas time. It has often been said that P.L. Travers was a lesbian or had an ambiguous sexuality. Travers never married, though she had numerous fleeting relationships with men throughout her life. She lived for more than a decade with Madge Bernand, daughter of Sir Francis Bernand, a playwright and the former editor of Punch. They shared a London flat from 1927 to 1934, then moved to Pound Cottage near Mayfield, East Sussex, where Travers published the first of the Mary Poppins books. Their relationship, in the words of one biographer, was, quote, intense, but equally ambiguous.
1: I'm not surprised that this was
0: written by a lesbian.
1: (laughs) It's not shocking. (laughs) Once you know that, it's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay, so when did we first watch Mary Poppins? What do we remember about it? What did we remember about it before we rewatched it? Audrey, I'm going to invite you to begin here.
1: Our grandma, Irene, had the VHS of Mary Poppins. And I'm pretty sure that's the only time we would watch it. Um, Like, we didn't have it at our house. So we would watch it. I just associate it heavily with being at her house and eating chips, basically. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, the classic pastime. Yes. And then in terms of, like, the Broadway show, I saw it with Dad alone (laughs) in, like, 2008, (laughs) maybe. And I remember that you and Mom saw Motown. We didn't see Motown. We saw Memphis. Oh, See, I literally wrote Memphis and then I looked it up. I looked up Motown and it also opened around the same time. Like there was like some overlap, but anyway. Yeah. I should have seen Mary Poppins. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was kind of like, why didn't you? I think you... I was too cool. I was too cool for a kid show. <laughs> oh my God. It's it's such a fun show because there's so many good special effects
0: Yeah. I mean, I was stupid in 2009. Who's surprised? (laughs) I also remember watching this at grandma's house. It was kind of one of those things where you don't realize how much you watched it until you're watching it for the first time in a long time. And then you're actually hearing the words. Yeah, Like I turned on the subtitles for this viewing because I was like, I can mostly understand what they're saying, but sometimes it's a little bit hard to get, which leads me to... Some of Disney Plus's subtitles are so wrong.
1: Yeah. I was
0: surprised by how wrong some of them were. I remember especially, like, when I was watching a lot of this, like, the uh, cleaning up the nursery sequence, I remembered a lot of that from when I was a little kid.
1: To me, this movie was a favorite, but it doesn't hold a candle to the sound of music, really.
0: Yeah, okay, we'll come back to that because Josh made that comparison as well. So you can watch mary poppins on disney plus it is long as shit which we're definitely going to talk about in the second half as well potentially the longest sleepover movie i have ever watched i think it is so you know how i feel about that however we will return and talk about it in a moment everybody are you ready to talk about disney's longest movie ever <laughs> mary poppins 1964 i'm
1: sure bed knobs and broomsticks as long as fuck too <laughs> i'm sure it is long as fuck as well it was normal back then <laughs> yes okay i
0: have really strong opinions my main thesis statement about mary poppins is that the parts that i love I really love the parts that annoy me. Honestly, don't annoy me as much as the parts that I love make an impact. But like, I'm wondering if the version that we had on VHS was a cut down version of what we watched. Because it kind of felt like every possible thing that they shot got put in the movie. Like, the sequences were so long like everything
1: was so long I don't know why but in this watch I was just like really engaged and like I I was not questioning at, like runtime I think I was in like the perfect mood to watch it and I it, it I was like in a flow state almost of watching it like it was like yeah I enjoy I just enjoyed it I think I, I don't know I, yeah. I wasn't well, rushing you were anything. watching it you were
0: watching it because you chose to watch it. Yeah. And then after the fact, we decided to cover it. Yeah. That's why. Yeah,
1: that's why. Like, I was just like, yeah. I want to watch this movie. Yeah. I mean,
0: and to be clear, like, I was not miserable watching it at all. But I was just like, they really are going full indulgence on this one. Like. Yeah. And I get that they, they had a lot of ideas. And I know it's very, like, lavish and, like, big. And that's totally fine. But I'm kind of like, did they not think about... The fact that this is like
1: a kid's movie and like attention span is like not that big. Well, things were different then in terms like when kids went to the theater, it was like, this is really, really, really special. Like it's not yeah, obviously TV ex- fully existed. Kids television existed in 1964. Still, I, I still feel like there is an element of that old Hollywood big movie musical thing going on here where it's like, yes, there's, this is, I wouldn't, honestly, I don't think Mary Poppins is even a kid's movie. I really don't.
0: It's like a family movie. It's like The Sound of Music. It's like a similar. Yeah,
1: like I wouldn't really call it a kid's movie. I mean, there's not all that much in it for kids. Yeah, I mean, can we talk about Mary Poppins as a character? The way that she, (laughs) like, Gaslights these children <laughs> <It> is crazy. <laughs> like they're in the fantasy realm doing all this shit. And then they come back to the house, and the kids are like, but Mar-. like they're like, You were riding ponies and we were doing all this fun stuff. And she's like, No, we weren't. And they're like, Yes, we Just, were. <laughs> and she's like, go to sleep. And they're like, no. And she's like, okay, stay <laughs> awake then. And then they're like, okay, fine, we'll go yeah. to sleep. Like, I read. <laughs> This opinion that was like saying that all that they think that all the fantasy sequences are from Mary's point of view. Okay. Because like Jolly Holiday is just everybody being obsessed with Mary and her being like, Wow, yes, you're all so sweet. Like it's not from the kids' perspective. Like it kind of feels like Mary Poppins' dream sequences. Yes.
0: Well, so that's actually one of my favorite things about the movie is that you know, okay, you know how like it it feels I think okay, I think even though PL Travers's intent was very much like sullied by this movie, I think the fact that everyone, for lack of a better term, is just like blindly simping for Mary Poppins yeah. all the time without her having actually demonstrated any good qualities, yeah, is so funny and enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Like, everyone's just like, I'm obsessed with you. And she's like, I know. Like, she's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm also obsessed with me. So it's fine. Yeah. She's like, if I were you, I would feel the same way.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah. She's
1: so blindly confident and... Yeah. The, there's an element of Nanny McPhee in there. There's an element of Chitty Chitty Bang yes. Bang. And there's an element of The Sound of Music kind of like all together. The the entire concept, you know, in Nanny McPhee, it's like when the when the family doesn't need you anymore, that's when you leave. Like, and it's the same thing. The concept thing. of Nanny
0: McPhee is
1: <laughs> you get less ugly over time. Yeah. No, that's its, whole, its own shit, honestly. Yeah. Um yeah. but the idea in Mary Poppins is the same it's like she repaired the family wound yeah. and now she can go back like she's not even a real person she's literally like a figment of yeah of something like what is this relationship bert knows that she is going dis- to that she's going to ascend to the clouds because he, berts <sighs> at the end bert is like i hope you're not gone for too long like, he's, he says something to that effect. Yeah. And she's like, see yeah. ya. <laughs> and then she's like, she's like, "Sure," she's floating. And then it's
0: over. Yeah. I feel like there's an equivalent to this, but I can't think of what
1: it is. I mean. Oh, it's Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> yeah, Frosty the Snowman. Like, that character <laughs> that Frosty the Snowman. comes for a season only related to... Mary's character, though, I was looking in looking into P.L. Travers' life a little bit more. And apparently, she's kind of based on her aunt, who was like a better parental figure to her than her own parents. But she was very stern. Okay. She's like somehow both loving and stern. And I feel like that's Mary Poppins. It was also said that the maid that worked at P.L. Travers' home had an umbrella with a parrot head which is cute and yeah I was watching like the documentary they made about her view of the making of the movie and this guy was saying like that he knew her and through all of his interactions with her he felt that she was she was the most like Mary Poppins like you know she drew from okay she drew from different like childhood experiences but like That's her. Do you think that Julie
0: and the children's eyes are synthetically blue in this movie? Because I do.
1: Yeah, I think they add to it a lot.
0: I think the blue eyes on the children get me so much because they're already demonic just as they
1: are. And then with the eyes on top of it. Hunter and I have talked about this a lot. There's just a quality to the children of the 60s and 70s in film that is bone chilling and I don't know what it is we're talking about chitty chitty bang bang we're talking about you know less so the sound of music I think those kids are I was about to say they're not creepy a little less creepy but it's when the kids are supposed to be scrappy like when the kids look malnourished (laughs) there's just something creepy about
0: them I think part of it with them too is like They actually act like kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and, like, they they actually have chemistry with each other. Whereas, like, Jane and Michael are so, like, hyper-polished and, like, creepy.
1: Yeah. Like, Like, Michael's a little shit. Like I would not want to babysit him. <laughs> well, nobody does want to babysit him. So. <laughs> Clearly.
0: <laughs> when they come down and they're, and they're like, we want a pretty
1: governess. Like, like why does she like, need to be fuck pretty? Fuck you, first of all. Like, like you want her to be pretty and, and give you of, candy, but we can't always get what we want. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about Winifred Banks. Like. She comes in so hot.
0: She's literally immediately singing the Suffragette song and then like basically doesn't do anything else the entire movie. Yeah. Which is saying something because the movie is so long. Ago. We're clearly soldiers in petty coats and dauntless crusaders for women's votes. It's like painfully on the nose how much of a trope she is and how much that trope still exists. To yeah. this very day.
1: Yeah. But you know what I think is really interesting about her is that her husband is super tolerant of her attitude. Her husband is very um, up, um upright, uptight. He wants yes. things to be a very traditional and, you know, wealthy and well-off way. Like, he just wants... Yeah, An ideal, perfect life to his standards. And to me, I would think that his wife being involved with the suffragette movement would not be a part of that. I feel like,
0: yes, I agree. But two things. First of all, he's really self-involved, as we see. Yeah. And second of all, her activism, as far as we can see, does not impede her ability to, like, be hot and, like, be home when he comes
1: home. Because she, they have a nanny yeah like no like she literally they literally hired a nanny so that she could go to like suffragette meetings and stuff
0: (laughs) or was that just a thing of the time if you were wealthy to have a nanny well they never said they
1: hired her so she could be an activist no no i know that but like that is what she is doing in the movie to to our knowledge i mean she could just be singing all this shit and then leaving the house and just going and like having tea and stuff (laughs)
0: like we don't really know i mean that's seems just as likely just as possible. that whole song is so funny and weird. Um, yeah okay, that also leads me to another point which is like the <laughs> the songs are in many cases wildly unprovoked. yeah <laughs> just start and they like don't really have anything to do with anything. they just kind of start happening. but I will say. A song that is extremely unprovoked and yet I loved every second of, which I did not expect, was Step in Time. Yeah, Step in Time is good. (laughs) The dancing is so good. And it's also like, it's almost like it's like an anthill. It's like all of these skinny men moving in tandem, like doing the same thing. Like when they go down the chimney and then they're in the house, like it's just so genuinely funny and entertaining that whole part
1: I was really enjoying how clear it is when you watch this film in HD that the people coming out the chimneys are mannequins
0: yeah I mean this is another example of like when we talked about the Wizard of Oz and we were saying they were inventing special effects as they went I feel like that's got to apply to this movie too
1: yeah it does apply and now that I have an attuned eye for it I love watching stuff like that because you can totally place yourself in the mind of or like in the the place of somebody seeing it in 1964 being like, I have literally no clue how they did that. Like
0: zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was really paying attention to in the nursery sequence when they're like snapping and everything's going back into its original position. I'm like, okay, so they had a string. They yanked the string. That's how everything fell over. And then they're recording it or they're playing it in reverse. And that's how it's Mm -hmm. getting back up. Yeah. That's just really cool. I just, is there anything better than a practical effect? No. Like, especially in that era, it's just so good.
1: It's something that I am very passionate about. Like if and when like I make, a thing that is like more fantastical Mm -hmm. I would want or horror even like the more practical you can do it I think is always better even if even if it's like not as realistic or it's cheap you know like it's cheap quote cheap it's always there's just always something more visceral about it because there is at least an element of it that was actually done.
0: Also related to the special effects, I kind of loved the robot birds. They're mm-hmm. so pretty good. Yeah, they're good. They, they held up pretty well. Regarding the nursery scene, when Mary Poppins is like, "In every job that's to be done, there is an element of fun." I'm like, "Is there an elephant? Elephant? Is there an element of fun in everything that we have to do?" I don't think so. But it's, a I appreciate that of perspect- it's a matter of perspective.
1: It's a matter of perspective. I you wish. Know, I really wish. You could frame it that way. Like, hey, you're alive to do it. I mean, <laughs> I don't Fun. know. Fun.
0: <laughs> I also have to say that Mary's Jolly Holiday outfit is literally perfection. Yeah. It's everything so good. about
1: it is perfect. And we have to commend the wiggery because it's actually yes. pretty good. Like, the hairline is actually. Yeah really good and I've seen some like shitty you know what it's funny we Hunter and I were just talking about this too we've been watching rewatching the entire Hunger Games and both in Twilight and in Hunger Games once you get to the last movies they've got <laughs> some crazy wigs on Jennifer Lawrence and Kristen Stewart that are just like yeah so much a takeoff of what their hair actually is that it's like <laughs> yeah Wild. The Jennifer Lawrence one is not as bad, but the Kristen Stewart one is crazy. I've seen it. What do you
0: think of the bank sequence?
1: It is there solely as social commentary and (laughs) not for any other reason. Like you can check out at that point if you want mentally. That's kind of what I did. I was just kind of looking at the screen, but I wasn't really taking in the words. Mary Poppins is a social commentary, if you want to view it that way. Isn't the lesson just don't
0: don't care that much about being successful at your job and be nice to your family?
1: But the whole Tuppence is that a social commentary? The whole Tuppence, oh that part bag, is right. The woman on the, the beggar on that, like that whole part, like it is a social commentary. It's like a, it's Which like is, a, you. <laughs> A class.
0: That is an unprovoked song. I love that song. (laughs) It's just so uncalled for. I'm like, how are they getting this in here? But it's okay. Oh, also, when they run away from the bank after they, like, caused this, like, citywide hullabaloo about taking the money back out of the bank, when they're running down the alley and the granny steps out and is like, granny, will hide you. I'm like, that's me in every high school production (laughs) I was ever in. Like, that is who I was playing, 100%. I felt represented by her. Another thing about the kid... The kids is that they're
1: bad at singing and that should be illegal.
0: I don't like that. And that
1: is something that they let pass also in like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and other movie musicals where the kids are scrappy. They let them sound bad, too. I
0: wouldn't describe that girl as Scrappy, personally. It will, busted,
1: perhaps.
0: Yeah, busted. Scrappy has, scrappy has, like, an element of, like, put your dukes up, in my mind. Like, ready to, I like, mean, they, pick a fight. I mean, they are ready to pick a goddamn
1: fight. You might not see it, but they definitely
0: are. She's not doing shit. Jane is not, uh, Jane is not that. Not the one.
1: Oh, yeah, we, we could talk about, like, Mary's resistance to Bert's, like, love <laughs> i did notice that in
0: jolly holiday when everyone's obsessed over mary bert sings like a long verse about how she's like the best person to ever walk mary the earth
2: makes your art so light you haven't changed a bit have you when the diet's gray and ordinary mary makes the sun shine bright
0: honestly. And she doesn't sing at all and I'm like, is she gonna sing? And then when she finally sings, she's like, you won't force yourself on me. You are a nice person. Yeah.
2: And that's interesting. never think of pressing your advantage Forbearance is the hallmark of your creed. True. A lady needn't fear when you are near. Your
1: sweet gentility is crystal clear. I mean, that's Totally would reflect, like, P.L. Travers' attitude towards men who might have made advances. Like, that could relate. Yeah. Um, she's so professional. <laughs> she, Mary Poppins she is, is so professional that she's like, thank you. Thank <laughs> you, next. No. Thank you, next, Bert."
0: <laughs> this concept occurred to me as I was watching. I was like, if the energy was even a little bit different, one could be like, they're they're in a lavender marriage or whatever but what does that mean bert is not gay
1: seeming oh i've never heard that <laughs> yeah
0: i'm pretty sure that that's right it's like gay man lesbian woman do he and the other chimney sweeps have platonic relations <laughs> i could see it happening but no i feel like he's just about he's just chilling and this is the thing going back to the beginning when they were like two horny service workers I have never encountered two characters less horny other than children, maybe ever, in a male-female
1: pairing. They are kind of not real. Like they're both right. kind of not real people. I think Bert is more real than Mary is, but yeah, the things that they do together are not real. Are we like? Do we think that that Mary is taking the kids to the park? They're meeting up with Bert, who was originally a matchman, and. <laughs> Um, just, like, kind of, like, playing together and it becomes these, like, you know, the, we're seeing the fantasies of what they're playing. Or is it just, like, we're in, like, Mary is having, like, delusions. <laughs> like, I think we could see it a lot of ways. I
0: I feel like I have evolved in my sleepover cinema life where I don't even want to know. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to take it for what it
1: is. It's like Alice in Wonderland. And
0: yes, I have that same thought, exact same (laughs) thought. But here's a more puzzling version of this quandary. The whole I love to laugh scene. Everything is extremely realistic except for the fact that they're in the air. Yeah. Like, I also love that part. It was very funny. It is good. I enjoyed that part.
1: Also, that wait. So,
0: what's the question? That is so much more realistic. That it's like, like I guess with Jolly Holiday and like all of that stuff. Do you it's mean because like it's an not
1: name, animated? That's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Is it Mary's uncle? Yes. Okay. I'm like, why is her uncle like Mary? Doesn't seem like someone who has an uncle. I'm like, why? Why are we? She doesn't have family. Well, no, I agree.
0: The <laughs> whole thing feels very much like a dream. The whole thing feels like a dream. Yeah. I really really love the refrain of A British bank is, is run, run <laughs> with
2: precision. <laughs> a British home a requires British home. nothing less. A British bank is run with precision. A British home requires nothing less.
0: It's so funny. And it's also very like, of course, this is like an American made movie that's just like the British, like very much leaning into that. There's just a really good sense of humor in the stuff with the parents, especially that I really enjoy.
1: Yeah. Oh, and okay, you know what I really could do without is the freaking boat captain on the roof. I kind of like that part. No, like, it's whimsical and it's cute, but then they keep going back to him. Like, they went back to him, like, yeah. six times. I was like, we only need that maybe three times. And, like, you can do your little yeah, I agree. rule of threes moment with him. But, like, yeah. other than that, please. I really like the recurring
0: thing of him trying, him, like, yelling shit at Mr. Banks and just going, but. Like yeah. as he's walking away. That is very funny, too.
2: Banks, shouldn't wonder if you weren't turning into a nasty piece of weather.
0: Banks! Do you hear me? Going back to when Julie was gaslighting them and then tried to get them to fall asleep when she literally threatened to call the constable <laughs> on him. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. She was like, not only am I gaslighting you, I'm going to call the constable on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It's also not a reason to call the constable. You know the part where after the whole bank fiasco happens and it's Bert and the kids sitting on the stairs and the kids are like, like, we're going to be in so much trouble, like, oh my God. And Bert's like... Who looks after your dad when he's sad? Like, he doesn't tell anyone. He doesn't ask for anything. Like, he keeps that all inside. And I was like, why is this movie secretly about, like, unpacking the toxic masculinity of Mr.
1: Banks? Yeah. Well, that's what I, when I rewatched, I was so surprised about is that, you know, when I watched it as a kid, it was it was basically going over my head. Like I heard the words, but I didn't under- really understand like how much adulthood and like having to provide can alter yeah. a person's entire daily life and personality. And over time, you you're an entirely different person. I think that that element is really interesting. It's like Mr. Banks is so out of touch with his inner child that he is like too far gone. And so Mary is like able to like get him in touch with that indirectly like through through what yeah. happens with the kids because she is the one that sets up them going to the bank and without them going to the bank this never right. would have happened right that
0: scene and then the scene where it's bert talking to mr banks yeah
1: like I was like, did I even see this before? Like, I don't even remember Yes. This. Okay, that scene got me too because I didn't know those words. It's like, it's a reprise, but it's different yeah. words. And I was like, wait, yeah. this part is kind of lit. I kind of, I like this part. Wait, it makes me want to look up what the words are. It's uh, it's like super deep. I was like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Right. Okay. I'm going to read. Can I read these lyrics? Yeah. A man has dreams of walking with giants to carve his niche in the edifice of time.
2: Before the mortar of his zeal has a chance to congeal. The cup is dashed from his lips. The flame is snuffed burning. He's brought to wreck and ruin in his prime.
0: And then he's like, I blame Mary Poppins. I blame Mary Poppins for all this falling apart. And then he says, my world was calm, well-ordered, exemplary. Then came this person with chaos in her wake.
2: And now my life's ambitions go with one fell blow. It's quite a bitter pill to take. Up into woman. Oh yes, this is the good
0: part. This was the good part. Bert says this. You've got to grind, grind, grind at
2: that grindstone. Though childhood slips like sand through a sieve. And all too soon they've up and grown And then they've flown And it's too light
1: for you. To give. Yeah. Oh, damn. Is that not the real shit? Like, I'm not even a parent, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, because you can even like it feels you you can relate to that just being a human being. Like, yeah, because like for from my perspective, it's like I am both Mr. Banks and Bert. Like, <laughs> I'm I am both of them because I understand uh-huh. the mentality of. Both. It's like you want to work hard enough that you can get to where you would ideally like to be, but you also know that like not reveling in your time, if you will, is yeah. something like, that time you will is regret. Limited. Yeah, like just yeah. being a human, there's the child part of you that is always there, but there's also the new adult version of you that are that is always there. And it's, like, yep. trying to find the balance between pleasing the child and the adult at the same time. Like, yeah, giving yeah. enough to both sides to where you feel like you're not uh, wasting time. Like, you can't always yeah. be work and you can't always be play. It's, like...
0: Yeah. Well, one is meaningless without the other, 100%. Yeah. And also, I feel like the whole negotiation between inner child and, like, inner parent or whatever is, I feel like, for creative people, especially important. Because if you aren't in touch with the inner child or, like, the inner artist or whatever, like, your muse can, like, die out. And you don't want to have that happen. That's, like, the worst case scenario.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's extra complicated for artists because... You're trying to be both at once. That is a really, really hard yes. ask. It's like, be be your inner child so you can produce the most meaningful work, but also be the adult that knows how to commodify it and redirect it into a livelihood. And like that, yeah. it, having the ability to do both Ugh. most of the time is not easy because they kind of cancel each other out. Never have we had such a, like, ripe climate for both having to be, feeling like both have to be true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because it's all at your fingertips. I know in other countries, there's, like, just artist stipends. Like, some people are literally just paid to be artists and to, like, contribute to the culture of the nation. But there are obviously some exceptions in America, but, like... A lot of those are through like very snobby grants, um, academicized grants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like a thing that most creative people will get to experience. And it's really sad because art is so important and impactful to so many people, even the people that are, um,
1: that are stuck, that are
0: grinding the grindstone that are grind, grind, grinding at the (laughs) grindstone.
1: I mean Ugh, that's yeah. It's very. childhood
0: tu- slips like sand through a
1: sieve. It's very very touching. Civ. If you are yeah. open to hearing the words of George W. Banks, <laughs> let them hit you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bert, Bert. The Chimney Sweep. I mean, you might think Bert is dumb, but he's not dumb. He just knows the how to have that a good drops time. Drops the
0: grind, grind, grind at the
1: grindstone. He, yeah, he said that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, when I was talking about the tropes of the Cockney musical, like, Burt is that. He's all that stuff put into one character. He's definitely in touch with his inner child. He is face-to-face with his inner child. Yeah. Totally.
0: Okay, well, I feel like that's a really, like, heartwarming sentiment
1: to end on. Do you have anything else you want to say? The obvious is all true. That's kind of, we didn't really focus on it, but there are some stunning colors and shots in this movie. When they're climbing the smoke stairs, Mm -hmm. that was insane. And every, Julie's voice sounds incredible. And her makeup is amazing. Yeah, her makeup is really good. The, the, yeah, hair, makeup, wardrobe, production design, like it's all really top tier.
0: It is a very cozy world. Yeah. I have to say. Yeah. It's like a good dream, not a bad dream. So is it a good movie? Yes. Yes. And I do think it's very worth watching.
1: Yeah. To this day. Oh, we didn't even, I didn't even mention, this is what Julie Andrews won her Oscar Uh, for.
2: I know you Americans are famous for your hospitality, but this is really ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, I have so many thank yous. I only know where to start and that's with Mr. Walt Disney, and Natalie, he has the largest thank you of all, I wouldn't know where to stop. I would somehow like to try and convey my really deep gratitude and, and well, gratefulness and, well, I've just said that, haven't I? <laughs> uh, for being made to feel so really welcome in this country. Thank you very much indeed.
0: I feel like she isn't
1: given much to do in this movie. <laughs> the values of a Best Actress Award now are very different than what they were then.
0: Definitely, cuz like she executed the content well, but she really wasn't given much to work with, I would say.
1: No, and women Other usually than being weren't, iconic. Yeah, I mean women kind of yeah. weren't at that point. It was very shallow. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah.
0: That's a really good point. Okay. I'm not trying to sully her legacy. I love her. I just had questions about <laughs> that.
1: Okay. Audrey, it's time. As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema, and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Adriana leach on everything. And you can
0: follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Rayleigh on Instagram and at Lana LanaVontrapp on Twitter please join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on
1: evergreenpodcasts.com. You can check out our merch at 2 slash shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more. And you can also find... And, and our caseify code, which is... 15 Sleepovers.
0: And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if you and your siblings or you and your grandparents or your parents watched Mary Poppins together and you have good memories of it, please send this episode to them and let us know what you think about um, having to grind, grind, grind at the grindstone.
1: Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by John. Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael deAloya
0: Now we're gonna float up into the clouds. <laughs>
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On conflicted